And welcome to episode 41 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined as always by my co host, James Sterlings. James, are you ready for yet another stealth game in our ongoing series of trying to forget JRPGs? Uh, last year, we had this running joke where you'd only pick first person shooters, but the pendulum's clearly swung in favor of stealth games recently. Uh, you know, I know you want to pick uh, Thief 2 at some point in the future. We may- might have to make a little gap to keep uh, keep the variety up, you know? Yeah, we'll go back to FPS games, just <laughs> alternating between those two forever. I mean, sounds in your pretty case, good to me. most of the stealth games. <laughs> games are fps games as well so are you really uh really changing it up there i am because tom clancy's splinter cell the game that we're doing for this episode is a third person one so it's completely yeah. different <laughs> so yes we're doing tom clancy's splinter cell which often has the subtitle stealth action redefined it's just a nice little thing to distinguish it from the other games in the series it was first released in 2002 by ubisoft montreal they later on went to make series like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. So this was their first uh, title as a studio and they knocked it out of the park because Splinter Cell was a massive hit when it first released on Xbox back in 2002. It was later ported to PC, PS2, and GameCube. Each of those versions has slight differences, but I would say 90 to 95% of the game is the same. And there was even a demake of the game for the Game Boy Advanced. Um, this fortnight, we both played on the PC version. We are, of course, the Retrospectors podcast. Each and every fortnight, James and I play through a classic video game of the past to determine if it's truly stood the test of time. Uh, we're not really interested in how good these games were on the time of their release. So even though Splinter Cell was considered a masterpiece when it was released, we don't really care. All we want to know is whether it's still a good game. Is this still worth your time to play through today? So each and every fortnight, James and I play through these games. We do not talk to one another about the game at all, except in maybe the lightest terms, so that we can have an authentic discussion slash argument on whether this is actually a good game or not. Yeah, and we uh, we don't hold back usually. There's some, been some real stinkers on the show that uh, a lot of people have some real nostalgia for, for but uh, none of that really matters to us, right? We're playing these games, or most of these games, for the first time. And generally, we're not blinded by the, our love of these games. So, you know, if it sucks, we're going to say it sucks. We do our best not to be anyway, because uh, obviously nostalgia is a difficult drug to overcome. But uh, yeah, we try and be... Uh, try and bring these games into the glaring sunlight to expose wrinkles and all. Before we start our discussion about Splinter Cell, just a couple of things about the game, uh, some housekeeping things and bugs that we encountered. The first thing is that there is a major issue with this game that is fixed with a a simple launch command in Steam, something I didn't realize until I'd actually encountered the bug unknowingly. (laughs) So basically, there are spotlights in this game and certain enemies have torches, and they are completely invisible unless you include this simple command line fix. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes and the website. But if you do play the game, 
ensure that you include this command line because the section with the spotlight is stupid if you can't yeah, see it's the it's basically unbeatable unless you have the fix because uh, a lot of the shadows in the game actually don't work on a lot of modern graphics cards so you gotta you know enforce this alternate shadow style in order to actually you know be able to uh, see and progress through one of the later levels so apart from that, I actually had no major problems with this game. It crashed once, but other than that, it worked perfectly. <laughs> so I Are was you joking. Yeah, I was. Oh, you got off. You got off easy then. Hey, <laughs> I did not have that pleasant experience that you did. Um, I actually had a number of issues with the game getting it to work on PC. Like uh, when I first installed it, I noticed that all the cutscenes would flicker very violently to the point where you know it gave me a headache watching them, and I had to like purposely not look at the screen um, and in addition there's no native widescreen support i did find some fixes online however installing them caused a bunch of other bugs to begin happening such as uh, textures not loading and then even later more disturbingly enemies not loading into the level um, and this wasn't even fixed with a simple restart of the game like if i saved my game while it was in that buggy state it would save the bugs onto my file and i'd have to start the level again um, so I did a fresh install and then even after that I was still having, you know, those shadow problems you had and it would like, the game would crash on my computer every third load or something like that. It was, it wasn't the easiest title to get running for me, um, but it wasn't completely unmanageable. I'd say the game's still in a playable state, but it's definitely not perfect on modern you know windows 10 systems yeah it's it's weird that it was that bad for you because like i said i just played it pretty vanilla and it all it all worked pretty well so it might be a graphics card issue or something your mileage might vary with this one so um be aware of that i will i have just remembered one bug i encountered which was very frustrating at one point you need to use a laser mic to record a conversation that someone's having yep. on the phone and when the prompt came up to do it, I didn't think I was in the right position. So I kind of like was trying to maneuver to a better position and, you know, sneak past some enemies. And then I got the notification that I'd failed the mission because I hadn't recorded the conversation in time. I was like, oh, whatever. So I reloaded my quick save, which was, you know, about two minutes earlier. And the moment I loaded into the game from my quick save, it said, you know, you didn't record the conversation in time. So the, the <laughs> scripting of that was completely bugged. Like it, that whole thing should have been rewound, but it was kind of like hard save. So I had to start that mission That's again. That's really weird. Yeah. So that was, that was an odd thing with the scripting that stuffed me up, that forced me to restart a mission. But, you know, it was, I lost like maybe 10, 15 minutes. So it was no big deal. And I mean, Maybe I was stupid for trying to <laughs> maneuver to a different spot in the first place. But yeah, yeah, other than that, for me at least it worked fine. But uh, be aware that it's not not necessarily going to be a smooth ride. Yeah, and uh, if you uh, if you really want to play this game, there's always the option of emulation. Um, this game was available on the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube as well, I believe, so you might have better luck there. Um, it's worth noting that the other significant change, difference between the versions is that the PC version has quick saving. And I know for a fact the Xbox version doesn't, and I can't imagine the console versions do. So I want to get into a detailed discussion on that a bit later when we get to the gameplay bit. But short version, I strongly recommend the PC version because it has quick saving and the other versions do not. So keep that in mind, and we will go into that more later. 
Yep, and for the record, I, I agree with Patrick there. So, did we uh, want to launch into a quick summary of the game's plot and then maybe get into that? We shall. So, yeah, the first thing I want to jump into about Splinter Cell is a story. So, uh, it's a Tom Clancy property. Tom Clancy wrote a lot of espionage, sort of uh, international crime thriller sort of books in the 90s and 80s, I believe. Uh, and this is a Tom Clancy property, so it kind of follows that mould. Uh, you play as Sam Fisher, who's an ex-Navy SEAL, black ops guy. You know, he's really good at murdering people. He's good at hacking. He's good at stealth and infiltration. He's um, he's a super soldier, essentially, but one that uses stealth and tactics and strategy and moves slowly as opposed to, you know, blowing everything up and shooting unsilenced guns and making a lot of noise. He's a he's a secret agent, basically. Very James Bond-esque or, um, or Solid Snake-esque, I guess you could say. Uh, he gets recruited out of retirement by a special organization that's part of the NSA called Fifth Echelon, which is basically a new organization that's been formed in the wake of the threat posed by terrorism, both cyber terrorism and, um, and it's more, more cyber terrorism focus as opposed to, um, I guess what you call traditional terrorism, suicide bombings and things like that. So Sam Fisher has been recruited by this special organization that as far as the American government doesn't exist. Uh, he begins investigating the disappearance of a couple of agents in Georgia. And a lot of the story surrounds the meteoric rise to power of a billionaire called Nicolades and the plots that he goes on and the complications and conspiracies that revolve around him. So I'm going to launch into full spoilers of the plot now. It's a little, it's not that the plot is crazy complicated, but there's a lot of bits to it. So I just want to talk about the plot substantively because I've got I've got some significant criticisms of it. Yeah, and um, if you're the kind of person that hates spoilers, honestly, I don't think uh, the spoilers in this game are anything crazy. Like, if you do know them, it's not going to ruin your experience of the game. It's not really that kind of story. There aren't any crazy plot twists, really. It's all It all kind of unfolds logically one step after the other. Yeah. So what happens in the story, and this is full spoilers, so final warning, is that Nicolades rises to become the president of Georgia, and he's got a secret plan to invade the neighboring country of Azerbaijan. To what end is not really clearly explained. It just He just wants to invade Azerbaijan. And what's more, he does, because as you're trying to poke around and figure out what's happened, he kind of beats you to the punch and kind of sweeps his commandos through Azerbaijan, it looks like he murders hundreds and perhaps thousands of civilians and occupies the country. The United States takes it back, like they send a, you know, an invasion force to, you know, beat the, the Azerbaijan, sorry, to beat the Georgians out of Azerbaijan, and then they go into Georgia and defeat them. And Nikolaj goes into hiding and he starts uh, retaliating with terrorist activity, cyber warfare, information control. Like he he stuffs up trains posts so they collide with one another. Uh, he makes, uh, you know, factories, uh, you know, explode, that kind of thing um, on US soil. So so he's retaliating with cyber warfare, basically, and you're, you're trying to track him down and catch him. 
eventually what happens is it's revealed that the Chinese have been helping them. There's a there's a faction of the Chinese have been helping him. And it's your job to find proof that they're helping them so that you can prevent World War Three. The first like idea I want to talk about in relation to this story, there's two major ones. But the first one is that I think the main problem with this story doesn't lie in the mission to mission beats and how one mission leads to another. It's that it's very underwritten. Yes. Because we don't know why Nicolard's wants to invade Azerbaijan or even what he would gain by doing so. I, you know, I did a little bit of research and Azerbaijan and Georgia have had peaceful, basically peaceful relations for the past hundred years with no major issues. There's no major religious divide or political divide that I can see. So it's just kind of invented as a conflict with no basis at all. And there's no explanation given it for it at all. There's no explanation given for for why the Chinese would support this action either. Like, in what way does this weaken America? What what does this achieve? And as I was going through this, as I was playing through this game, it just basically doesn't make any sense because nothing is explained on a macro level, like a, a political level, why any action that any of these factions make actually makes sense. I, I don't know if you felt that way, James. I think underwritten is the perfect word to describe the plot of this game. Like, um, in terms of the like the hooks that lead you from mission to mission, I actually think that the story does a good job of logically flowing from one level to another, mm-hmm. better than a lot of games, honestly. Like, I never felt confused as to why each mission was happening and what we were doing. That all made perfect sense, and I had no problems with that. But in like in in the macro sense of the like the factional conflict across the nations. Uh, in terms of the main villain's motivations, his total lack of charisma uh, in the story, uh, and the characters' interactions within the levels, just kind of lacking any sort of like playful banter and that kind of thing. I never really felt invested in either the overall conflict or at the smaller level between the characters. You know, just nobody was fleshed out, and it really you know hurt the experience for me. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where I can see in a Tom Clancy novel where you've got hundreds of pages, there would be the time taken to establish a potential political conflict, but there's just none of that there. So basically, if you start thinking about this and you start asking questions, there's no answers. It's just basically these guys are bad and they're doing bad thing. This faction of the Chinese government bad is doing bad thing. You ask why and there's no answers because it doesn't, there are no answers. There's nothing that's been written there. It's not even a question of this was a badly written, um, you know, motivation. There is no motivation. There is no motivation. Yeah. There's no motivation. There's no personality. There's just nothing there. Like in my head, when I think of the main villain of this game, like all that comes to my mind is his face on screen. I don't know what he's like. I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. I don't know what his goal is. I have no idea why Nicolaats is the way he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he just is. 
Um, and maybe that's not even important to, you know, you, the main character, who's, you know, just a soldier and it's just your job to follow orders. But there's nothing interesting here in the writing to really, like, hook you in to make you care about any of the characters or the, like, the overarching plot. The only time... A lot of the missions later in the game, there's like the threat of a nuclear explosion and I just felt nothing, right? They didn't play it up enough, whereas a few levels prior, um, there are some American soldiers who've been kidnapped and they're going to be, you know, it, it's the villain's plan to execute them on live TV to send a message to the Americans. And I think they did a like an okay job of like playing up the you know, the the suspense and the, the threat there. Yeah. But after that level, you know, it just falls off a cliff. You know, there's a nuclear bomb for Christ's sakes. People should be terrified or panicking and there's just like nothing. It's really weird. Yeah, I think that the game kind of does signpost it, like you said, by Lambert says to you, we're not going to tell you the biggest story. We're just going to just focus on the mission. But the problem is that the broader political conflict should have still been written and you should have got bits and pieces of it as you went instead of them not writing it at all. It's okay for them not to give you the whole story, you know, fully explained in a manual like an Archimedean dynasty. I wasn't demanding that the game fully justify, a, you know, a detailed political conflict, but we needed to know if the motivation was like religious jihad or whether it was purely coldly political or they could have made up a centuries-old conflict between the two countries something. Um, so yeah, that was something that really stood out to me as a problem. Even something as like simple and shitty as him being an egomaniac or something yeah. like cheesy like that, I would have been happier with than this, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And anything is better than nothing, even if it is poorly explained. Um, yeah. So I've got another huge criticism of the story, and this one's a little bit harder to define. So stay with me. Okay. Splinter Cell was released in 2002. So it was released after 9-11, but this is before the Iraq War. Now, James and I are Australians. We're not Americans, but Australia was caught up with the Americans in both of these conflicts. So it's got some political relevance to us down in Australia. I would say that post 9-11, but pre-Iraq War, that, that you know one to two year period, that there was a sense of goodwill and support for America and American institutions and the goodness of America, as opposed to the evilness of those who committed the acts against America on 9-11. Now, just to make it completely clear, those acts were completely evil against America. But I think that in the past 20 years, it's been demonstrated that America can't just send invading forces into the Middle East and solve all problems. I think that the Middle East is an incredibly messy conflict. I think interventions are messy and ugly and, in fact, are probably not the correct solution a lot of the times. And I think that government distrust in today's day and age compared to 2002 is at an all-time high. So when I was playing this game as a secret agent for the NSA, which I don't think people trust at all nowadays, about an agent that was doing good for America, it kept showing the president's speeches like, we will not tolerate injustices in the world. 
it just came across as quaint and jingoistic and lacking any nuance. And I'm not an expert on Middle Eastern politics by any stretch. However, even fucking Call of Duty has a more sophisticated and nuanced take on this conflict and the conflict of terrorism than what is shown in Splinter Cell. So it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable with how, with how, yeah, how jingoistic it was about how great America was. Yeah, I mean, like, when the president does appear, he's appearing in, like, press conferences. So even in a title where they're kind of questioning, you know, uh, every government on every side, I think um, him appearing that way to the, to, the, to the public is perfectly fine. It makes sense, right? That's the face they want to put on. Yeah, but the problem is that to say that we won't tolerate injustices in the world, to me, is just complete nonsense. Because right <laughs> now, the president tolerates injustices in the world. And in fact to some degree, tolerating injustices is a result of real politic. Like America, not only does America tolerate injustices that it shouldn't, there are injustices that it cannot do anything about. Like there are countries that are powerful that oppose America that do things and America cannot do shit about it. I mean, you can come up with some weak ass sanctions, but that's about it. I mean, Russia basically invaded Ukraine. You've got the situation in Hong Kong. Like, it's just it just doesn't ring true like it comes across as very phony and fake but in the world of splinter cell it's simple you know america are the good guys and then there are evil people that oppose them yeah they could have easily made it a bit more muddy too but you like they could have fixed both of our problems with one stone by making uh Nicolaides feel that his people were being you know oppressed by america or whatever um, and having it be like a rebellion sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yes, uh... the, there are many reasons for Middle Eastern countries to resent America. And that doesn't justify terrorism, but it does present a more, I guess, coherent and holistic view of the conflict. This version of the conflict this Splinter Cell presents to me is just, it just, it's too jingoistic. It's too pro-America. It's not even trying to look at both sides. And that's where I was a little turned off by its politics. It wasn't so much that I was like filled with disgust playing this game or anything. Like it's obviously a video game and I'm enjoying doing it and it's okay to play a good guy. I just think that because we're so embroiled with Middle Eastern politics today, like it's a thing that's still going on today, this is not an accurate representation of the nature of these conflicts. So it was off-putting for me. It's kind of funny, right? Even something like Metal Gear, I feel, does like factional stuff a little better. And that game's like super absurd and silly. But like oftentimes the factions in that game, it's it's like unclear like even within you know singular units um who's you know doing the right thing who's doing you know whose motivations are what right whereas this everything was just too clear cut well i mean i think metal gear solid perhaps goes too far in the other direction <laughs> but i would say that metal gear solid at least has coherent philosophies behind it and it's a bit hard you have to dig for them but it's a very postmodern work. It's subvertive. It's trying to, you know, it, it's trying, it's trying, right? Splinter Cell doesn't yeah. seem like it's trying. It just seems to say, yeah, America's good, everyone else is bad, which is a very, you know, post-1990 collapse of the USSR way to view the world. And it's just one that 
does not ring true at all anymore, particularly with... It just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't. This isn't how we conceive world politics, even though that was how it was um, conceived back then. So I don't want to dwell too much more on this, except to say that I think... Basically, uh, don't play this game for the plot, right? (laughs) Yeah, and and like you said, the individual story-to-story beats are actually really well done. And every time you go into a new mission, you understand what your objective is and everything. It's just that the overall story is just too simple and too jingoistic and too underwritten for, for me to enjoy it. So the story is nonsense. So yeah, that's that's how we feel about the story, but we should probably jump into some, into some gameplay, gameplay at discussion some at some yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, Splinter Cell is very much a stealth game first and foremost. So there are other elements to its gameplay, like you have a gun that you can shoot, there's a little bit of platforming and climbing, but I'd say that the primary thrust of its gameplay is about sneaking around in shadows, knocking out guards, um, and moving through the levels. So in a macro sense, the first thing to talk about, I think, is the the broad level design of Splinter Cell. Because Splinter Cell, I think, is very different from any stealth game I've ever really played before. Yeah, it is, right? And that's that it's linear. This is a linear stealth experience. Basically, every single time you go into a room or an area, you need to get to the other side of the room or the area. And then when you get through that area, it's exactly the same thing. It's basically each level is a bunch of rooms or areas stuck together one after the other, and you're just going A to B, A to B, A to B. Yeah, I found this really surprising. Like, I had never played a Splinter Cell game before, and I didn't really know what to expect coming into the experience. And um, previously on this show, we we played the original Thief Gold and um, also Hitman 1, Hitman Codename 47. And both of these games feature pretty, like, wide open areas to, you know, explore, and their levels kind of consist of you being dropped in and then having to scout for information and then put all the pieces together and kind of you know both solve and progress through the level uh splinter cells not like that at all it's uh it was very surprisingly linear i was actually really surprised um when going through it it felt more similar to something like maybe like metal gear solid 3 where you're just like going forward and then you know it'll open up into these bigger areas that have you know a set of patrolling guards or some kind of you know stealth segment you need to quote unquote solve to get to the next you know hallway and you'll kind of daisy chain between these little areas um something that i kind of wanted to bring up early um that maybe maybe it's a unique thing to me personally but i was actually kind of apprehensive about going into this game to begin with because um for me i think that something that really uh characterizes a lot of stealth games in my mind is this like undercurrent feeling of tension and anxiety which you know prior to playing this game i kind of associated with the you know the moment to moment gameplay right like you're hiding in shadows you're waiting for patrols to go past so you know like maybe that maybe that suspense is comes from um you know waiting for the guard to get past and hoping that they don't see you but i never actually felt anxious or tense while playing splinter cell and i was really surprised about that and um on reflection i think it's because in those other games we've played um there's kind of this underlying fear i have that i'm going to miss a critical piece of information 
and then be stuck wandering mm. these big open levels for like hours not knowing what to do but that's impossible in this game because there's no information to find right you just progress forward it's very handholdy in a way and i kind of i kind of preferred that but i don't think everyone will so just to bring some clarity to how linear these levels are. So I would say like the most open uh, stealth game really is a game like Thief because you just get dropped into a mansion and you go through the mansion whatever order you like. Every Basically every single person's experience playing through a level in Thief is going to be pretty different because you'll explore and uncover the mansion in a different way. Then you've got something like Dishonored, which the levels are nowhere near as sprawling as Thief, but there's still a lot of uh, different ways for you to make your way through the level. Then you've got something like Deus Ex, and now we're getting close, sorry, Deus Ex Human Revolution, specifically the new Deus Ex games, and you're getting something that's closer to Splinter Cell, because Deus Ex levels often have you progressing from A to B, but they tend to have it in larger rooms with a few crisscrossing paths. So you've got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of verticality. So you've got a little bit of choice in how you Yeah, like you need to get into the police station and you can either like pick the lock or you can, you know, pick up the boulder or like move the heavy thing with your points in the strength yeah. or hack or go through the sewers. That's, that's not the case here. Um, in Splinter Cell, there's usually only a single door, a single path to go forward. And mm -hmm. the kind of, the kind of maybe puzzle or the different ways that the player can interact with each area is usually comes down to, you know, uh, whereabouts in the guard's patrol pattern you ambush them from, or if you use your gun or one of your other little gadgets that you get along the way. Um, it's it's much less, I'm going to say, you know, there's much less freedom of creativity in this game. There is some, there's definitely some, but it's mm -hmm. much less than um, a lot of the other stealth games I've played previously. So, so the way we're framing it, we haven't framed in terms of whether it's good or bad, really. And the thing is, for me at least, like my personal opinion is that this kind of stealth feels it's not my preferred kind of stealth. Like I think that you're given it, it's kind of too constricted, too narrow, too many hallways and areas just kind of stuck to one another. However, I will say that these small areas are generally very well designed challenges yes. because it doesn't spam you with like, you know, 15 guards in a small area. It gives you three. And those three all have their own patrol patterns. And it's up to you to find the gap in that patrol pattern because it's perfectly possible to ghost past most of these guards as well, which is often a better plan than trying to knock them out anyway. And I think that even though I do miss the broader, you know, freedom and exploration, particularly of other stealth games, I do appreciate the craftsmanship of these more refined small levels and how they were able to very deliberately craft a challenge around them. Yeah, I agree. Something that really annoys me about more open games is that the like it feels like the game designer's hand on the project is a lot lighter. Like there's a lot more, you know, variety of situations that you can possibly get yourself in. But because they're not designed by a person that, you know, 
whose job it is to make a fun video game. You know, I find that the the fun factor on a lot of these, you know, various experiences not to be as fun. Whereas here in Splinter Cell, I think that every single challenge and like puzzle and, you know, patrol route is very deliberately handcrafted. And there is something very, you know, really cool about that, having played a lot of other stealth games where, you know, you get yourself into these not so fun situations a lot of the time. It's worth pointing out that they're actually quite challenging in a lot of spots. Uh, like I said, the windows that you have to slip through undetected are often very narrow. Like if you don't knock out guards, there'll be a camera and there'll be guards walking around and you really have to pick your spot. You have to study the patrol routes and pick your spot or you can use the gadgets to assist you in a whole bunch of ways. But yeah. if you want to ghost through or you can't see a way to use your gadgets effectively, you cannot fuck this up. This game yes. is <laughs> very difficult and punishing one if you get things wrong. Yeah, I basically agree with that. And I actually, I really like that, honestly. Um, earlier on in the episode, we did recommend that the PC version's better just on the basis that you get to use quick saves. Um, and I definitely used that a lot. Not, you know, not a heap. I didn't really like cheese any scenarios, but I found myself replaying sections a lot because it was quite tricky to get the exact solution that I was looking for. But I did find it very engaging to like, you know, you enter a small room and you can see all of the information laid bare in front of you very easily. And then, you know, you quickly come up with a plan and then you spend a little while trying to, you know, get the execution just right, right? Like uh, mm. these, these, these things have very specific and very, uh, to me, very engaging solutions. Um, so like you mentioned that it was a bit too rigid for your taste and I kind of... On some level, I think this game would have been much improved with a bit more, you know, freedom of creativity, you know, added gadgets, added solutions to a lot of the, the patrol patterns. But at the same time, like, when I was playing through the game, there was never a point where I felt frustrated by my lack of control and, like, by the lack of variety in the levels, because I think it does a great job of mixing things up throughout the level. Each level feels distinct, despite the fact that you're really doing the same fundamental stealth gameplay the entire time. Yes, I, I completely agree with that, and we'll get into that a bit later, but the game mixes it up with enough slightly different gimmicks that it's enjoyable. Like, uh, there's a mission where there's a spotlight section with landmines and then you have to sneak across this roof. Then you've got some shootout sections. It really does not feel like you're doing the same thing over and over. There's just enough yeah. nuance and difference between each level to make it feel um, feel unique enough that, that I don't mind it. I think this game walks a very a very thin tightrope of creativity and tedium, and I think it actually pulls it off for the most part. One of the things I wanted to jump into with regards to this level design is to continue our ongoing discussion that we have about quick saving, because James and I have had this come up a lot where we think that we basically believe that quick saving is problematic because you're encouraged as a gameplay device to do it as much as you possibly can. But the problem with 
checkpointing is that if checkpoints are too unforgiving or too infrequent, the game becomes incredibly frustrating. I think that after playing Hitman and then playing this game, I think I've uh, almost done a 180 on my negative feelings on quick saving. Like it was a fucking breath of fresh air to be able to do to be able to quick save your game after you know playing a game where you had to go from the very beginning every single time you fucked up. Yeah, and and basically I agree. I think the the brutal check in Splinter Cell you maybe get you know one checkpoint every 20 minutes of gameplay like each mission is usually split into about three checkpoints but it's like if you fuck up you're going to be losing a lot of progress and it's very easy to fuck up but what i think is uniquely like i think quick saving is uniquely suited to the structure of splinter cell because you get to do a quick save at the beginning of each section. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because Splinter Cell is so cleanly segmented into sections, you feel pretty good just chucking a save at the beginning of an area or room or corridor. And then when you reach the end, you do another quick save. The problem with quick saving in a game like Thief, where there are no clear, I guess, barriers between your exploration, it's kind of just this freeform thing, is that you feel bad if you're quick saving every time you blackjack a guard but without clear barriers to give you an idea of how often you should be quick saving that's what is incentivized by the gameplay so i think quick saving and you know this one save per area works brilliantly in this game and um yeah i i think that you should play the game like that and i think that Basically, if the game chucked a checkpoint at the start of every area, that would be perfect. It'd be the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you want to get into a quick music break? We've been going for a little while, and then we can give a you know a bit of a chat about the soundtrack as well after that. Yep, sounds good. Uh, do you want to take us away? Yeah, sure. So I found that in general, the music of this game was very atmospheric. It wasn't the kind of soundtrack that had, you know, a lot of, you know, in-your-face melody and that kind of thing. And obviously it shouldn't. It's this, like, you know, kind of low-key, subtle stealth game. So it it went for a really subdued soundtrack, which I thought was great. Um, and it actually borrowed a lot of elements from some horror game soundtracks, which I quite enjoyed. You know, like, there was often random clinking and rustling of, you know, really realistic objects to the point where you never really knew if it was the soundtrack or a guard like stepping on some glass behind you it made it feel really tense and i loved that so the music track that i've chosen for today is defense ministry nicolad's office um there was this running motif they had throughout the songs where they had these kind of like operatic angelic vocals just under the you know above the the tense brooding atmosphere and i really liked that and think that uh this track really played to that strength so uh here is the defense ministry office Thank you. 
you were just listening to Defense Ministry Interior. Oh, you got um, it right that time. This is like the, this this is is like the fourth take. take. <laughs> I, kept, I kept forgetting what it was called. I'm like, presidential, presidential office, interior palace. Uh, anyway, one of the things I wanted to talk about the music is something that has obviously been done in other stealth games, most notably Metal Gear Solid. And that's there's a few different soundtracks to the level of alertness of the enemies. So you've got your normal background music. You've got your alert music where the enemy are aware something is wrong like they'll have seen um, your shadow or they'll have they'll be searching for you but they haven't quite started shooting you and then the final stages of course where the shit hits the fan and you're being shot at by enemy soldiers and grenades are flying your way and you're probably going to die within the next two seconds i just want to say that is a really important inclusion to help set the atmosphere to have like this slower paced atmospheric stuff that kind of gets increasingly crazy as um as enemies start getting on your trail and i think it's really well done um none of these soundtracks i i think they do tend to blend together a little bit uh like it's hard for me to say oh this soundtrack is you know this level it doesn't really stand out that thematically but i do did appreciate the different music to reflect the different levels of tension that you actually feel while you're playing the game. Yeah, I actually kind of found it tied into the gameplay a lot too because I would use the music cues to know when I'd actually, uh, you know, taken out every guard on a particular floor because, you know, it would go from being everyone kind of alerted to, you know, that 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 quiet kind of creeping music again. Um, it would slowly you know, fade out. Yeah, I, I did yeah. exactly the same thing. It's like, oh, I can relax now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, in general, I think the soundtrack's actually pretty good. Like I said, I really liked the human vocal element. You know, I don't know how to describe it, it was a little um yeah it's it's more understated it wasn't like forming yeah. the melody it was almost like one of the uh it, it would come in and out of the pieces yeah just well, part of an instrument really in general i liked it like you i think they faded together a little bit i can't really distinguish too many tracks um from another the one i picked before i only picked because it had a lot of those uh human vocal elements in them but in general i liked it right um it yeah, suited I the liked game it. yeah it, it's and the thing is as opposed to something like thief which also has an atmospheric soundtrack that's like even more minimalistic than this i didn't mind the more you know a slightly less minimalistic one because you're not crawling around stone floors in a medieval opera house you're a high-tech secret agent so the injection of subtle elements of like techno and some very basic synth noises was actually appropriate for this soundtrack so yeah quite like the soundtrack it was on theme yeah it's no metal gear though like i i'm not i'm not going to remember any of these tracks after i played the game like that i do in that game but um what a thrill hey james what a thrill (laughs) 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 but uh you know fine on the whole so um let's get back a bit to gameplay and i kind of wanted to go over the more like nitty-gritty aspects of the gameplay like the controls and what you can actually do as Sam yep, Fisher throughout Splinter Cell. So um, how did you feel about the controls, Patrick? For me, uh, it was weird. It kind of seesawed between surprisingly good and like accurate and responsive. Like there was times where for me, the controls would do exactly what I wanted. And I was like shocked they were so precise. And then there were other times where I was trying to jump up on this fucking ledge and he just would not fucking do it. Um, yeah, it was, that... 
it was a really weird dichotomy. Like there was no middle ground. It was either like perfect or awful. I, I completely agree. It, it's a mixed bag. I think that the thing it does best, which is ultimately the most important thing, is just moving around. Like a, yeah. as simple a thing as that seems, um, moving around while crouched and standing and the three different movement speeds associated with all of them all control very fluidly and run together beautifully. And you are always exactly where you want to be, which is really important in a game where being one centimeter outside in a patch of light can lead to your death. Something that stood out to me on the PC was that the, your, actual, your movement speed was actually bound to the mouse wheel, which I think mm-hmm. kind of odd at first, but Honestly, it was really practical when I was going through the level and you're trying to, you know, quickly go between running quickly to that mid-speed or the really slow creep. I got to admit, though, a bit sheepishly that earlier on I actually forgot that you could change your speed and I spent... I don't know, like 20 minutes on the lowest speed, wondering like <laughs> if it's this slow for the entire game. Oh, that is so painful. So yeah, you're just walking just, around, oh my god. I was just crawling played, around the place, yeah. And then I realized I could man. Yeah, and then I realized I could basically sprint while crouching and, you know, the whole world opened up to me. But no, I, I agree with you. The the general movement controls do exactly what you want, exactly when you want, and that's really the most important thing. It's when jumping comes into the equation that I found they kind of fell down a bit. So it's interesting. The thing about movement on a mouse and keyboard instead of a control is probably one of the situations where playing this game with a controller is going to be strictly superior because when you're playing a game like this on mouse and keyboard you know if you're playing thief or splinter cell there are three distinct movement speeds whereas with a controller you know if you push up on your control stick you've just got a lot more degrees of control over your movement speed and i don't know if the original splinter cell on xbox only had three degrees of control but a modern stealth game like metal gear solid 5 that's a game that i play on a controller because it's so nice being able to exactly control how fast you're moving so it is a downside if you are playing on on um on a mouse and keyboard because you can only click between these movement speeds instead of having a smoother transition. I honestly really liked it. I I was wondering, do you reckon it actually makes the game easier because you can be perfectly at that lowest speed all the time without having to, like, hold the analog stick in place? You know, you've got that, like, digital control over it instead? No, I I would find using controller far easier, particularly with sneaking up. Really? So at the lowest speed... Uh, while you're crouching, um, you cannot catch up to a patrolling card. At the medium speed, you can, but they will hear you when you get within a certain radius of them. So if it's very, very difficult to to navigate catching up to a guard to knock them out because you need to slow down to the lowest speed at exactly the right time where you can still catch up to them, and you have to kind of approach them from an angle. If if I had better control over my mouse speed, there'd be a speed faster than the slowest crawling speed that you're like to, that the guards wouldn't be able to hear yeah. you and you could more smoothly transition to that to knock them out easier. So I, I think it's far easier with a controller. Yeah, but at the same time with an analog system, you don't have that clarity of information. Like, you know exactly 
which speed will alert people to sound with these, you know, kind of incremental changes. Whereas when you've got like the full range, I feel like it's harder to understand if you're being quiet or not, because this game, it has a light meter. So when you're in certain degrees of shadow, you can tell whether or not someone will be able to see you quite easily. But I don't think the same would be true um, for noise if you didn't have these really exact uh, you know, margins of error here. I, I basically think that it's something that is difficult to learn, but once you've learned it, you that's just what I want. And in my time playing through the Metal Gear Solid games, primarily three onwards, so three, four, five, having that exact control over the sneak speed is a very important feature to me yeah. and one that I would always choose. And you know, Metal Gear Solid Five in particular is in in a lot of ways you can play it as a first person, you can play it as a third person shooter, and I still play it on a controller. And pretty much the only reason, like literally the only reason I play those games on a controller, is to control my sneaking speed. And you know how much I hate shooters on controllers. So yeah, you do. You're really fucking yeah. against that shit. So so to me, that is an important thing. Now that all that being said. I still think this game is perfectly fine to play on a PC with the three control speeds. Like Thief, it's not a deal breaker, but it was a little frustrating at times uh, with how I was sneaking up to guards. And I ended up just ghosting through a lot of levels because I found it was more enjoyable to do that than deal with the sloppiness of that, that kind of sneaking up to enemies. Okay, yeah. Well, honestly, for me, I thought that the, the controlling the movement speed was perfect. I thought it was really good. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't bother me in that way, and I found myself, you know, mostly taking every guard out because I just found it fun to do that. Um, let's talk about the shooting controls because oh. I think <laughs> they are awesome. intentionally poor, but probably I feel like it's aged to the point where it's like even worse than it was supposed to be. So... As far as I know, the shooting in this game works kind of like it does in Deus Ex 1, where you have to aim at a point and then wait for the reticule to shrink long enough like that you'll get an accurate shot. But even when I waited like, I don't know, like 10 seconds to the point where the reticule was no longer shrinking, I found that even if I had it directly on an enemy's head, it would just miss completely sometimes. Did that happen to you? Yeah, so basically in the original Deus Ex, you'll eventually get an accurate shot. In this game, the crosshair uh, spread, even when you're crouching completely still and you've been sitting there for 20 seconds, is still inaccurate at medium range. With the pistol, it can be inaccurate at close range. It's yes. atrocious. They're also, to, to clarify how bad it is, if you move your mouse too far while you're aiming, it will reset the bloom and you have to wait. Yeah. Um, I have serious problems with, not with the intent of this system, but with how it actually plays out. Yeah, I agree. I have no problem with the idea that shooting is worse than stealth in this game. Like, I think it should be that way. I think the game's mechanics should push the player to be, you know, sneaky and try to take people out with their bare fists rather than, you know, shoot them in the head. I think that guns should be like a last resort if you're struggling or if there's like a very specific scenario that requires a shot. Or if you're panicking and you, you can you can sometimes... Yeah, or you, you fuck up and you have to 
to resort to guns because you've alerted the entire place. Yeah. Um, I basically think that the game's a lot better when you're not using the guns at all, which is a real shame because a lot of the gadgets that Sam has access to are actually tied to one of his guns. Thankfully, it's the more accurate of the two guns, but um, it's still it's still a problem. So, so what I, I think would have been good is that keep the vast majority of these clunky gun mechanics but let you have an accurate first shot like even when you zoom in with the fs2000 there is ridiculous scope sway it's very frustrating i think that i would have liked if i could take i mean you can hold your breath right and make it steady as you sure sure but yeah i i just want to to aim in and just just take take a shot accurately without having it you know ping behind because the crosshair is too big just make it take longer for the reticule to shrink to that perfect shot but give you that perfect shot if you get you know if i'm sitting there for like a full minute or something i should be able to hit him in the head and i was reading on the forums that i think it might be something funny with the pc version as well so you know maybe maybe on the console version this isn't a problem because i was watching videos of people play through the game and they were really consistently hitting people in the head like way easier than i could and i don't know if that's just they know how finicky these guns are from playing the game a lot or it's a problem with the pc version and like the weird resolution and stuff with windows 10 but you know just installing it out of the box i did have a lot of these issues the the real problem is that there are some compulsory shooting sections in these games in, mm. in, in this game which fucking suck james just did you play on normal or hard uh, i played on normal i have learned my lesson over <laughs> i have learned my lesson over playing genres i'm not super familiar with on the harder difficulty out of the box so the thing about hard difficulty is that i chose it because i'm like i want a harder stealth experience has literally no fucking impact on the stealth. Yeah, none at all. Like, it just changes the amount of health that um, you and enemies have, and that's, like, it. Like, I was reading, um, and this, like, just reading this sentence was so frustrating to me. Apparently on hard, frag grenades often don't kill in one hit. Like, are Correct. you fucking kidding me? What? Yeah. Who, who designs that shit? Yeah, I, the reason I picked hard was that I wanted, I wanted the enemies to be more alert. And honestly, the enemies are very alert in this game so i'm like wow man i i really i really picked the hard difficulty for a good reason cool this is a difficult stealth game but apparently it's identical on normal yeah your health packs heal less you take more damage grenades are fucking useless because they don't kill enemies (laughs) but bullets yeah it it like it makes all the unfun parts of the game more unfun and it leaves the fun parts of the game the same so really highly recommend you guys if you play this game to play it on normal uh, I don't think anything good comes from playing it on hard from what I've read. There were these two shootout sections which probably took me... The first one probably took me about 15 times. The second one took me like 30 <laughs> times probably. The first one is in the abattoir where you're defending, but you've got the the sentry turrets to help you. Yes. Um, yes. The other time is when you're in the library, like just as you get off the lift. And I'm like, is this game some kind of fucking joke? Because like <laughs> they're running and flanking you and you, you can't get an accurate shot because the moment you strafe around a corner it takes like five seconds for your reticle to settle and in the meantime 
they're shooting you and killing you almost immediately so yeah i'd say 30 to 35 times and i hated every single moment of it it wasn't well i mean that's what the gadgets were for right like did you use the distraction camera at all that thing was fucking cool i loved it the distraction camera didn't work during that fight i don't think though did it really okay i found it worked during basically every no not that so there's this camera you can shoot from your gun um, and it'll stick to a wall that you shoot it at. And it's got a bunch of other functions other than just being a camera. Like, you can make a little bird chirp, which will distract enemies and make them come closer to inspect it. And most importantly, when you press, I think it's either right-click or spacebar, it lets out knockout gas. Um, so you can, you know, knock out like three to four enemies in one go with it. So generally... I would save those knockout gas canisters for these sections that would, you know, usually mandate you to bring your gun out. Um, or, you know, a lot of the time, honestly, I used quick save to kind of cheese through some of the shootouts because they just like suck. Um, they're just not fun because of the shooting mechanics. Um, there's like, I think there's like one or two like mandatory shootout sections in the whole game. I just, they have no place in this game. I think they're a complete design mistake. Um, yep. I, I think that just stick to what you're good at. They they shouldn't have had these, but you know, there's there's only two in the whole game, so it's not a huge deal, right? Yeah, they're, they're not enjoyable. They're too difficult. Uh, you have literally no sense of satisfaction. So because of the RNG of the gun accuracy, it just feels like you're rolling the dice until your gun decides to be accurate. <laughs> that's that's how these sections feel. You just yeah, keep doing so, the same thing until your gun's accurate, and then you're like, thank fuck that's over. So to put into perspective, because um, while we're ragging on the shooting mechanics a lot, overall, it really didn't phase me that much in the grand scheme of things because it comes into play so little. Like, I barely used the guns to get through the game. So overall, I'd say they suck, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is a stealth game. I didn't have to use them, um, except these two poets. The primary use of your guns is shooting out lights, for what it's worth. Yeah. You will spend more bolt bullets shooting out various lights and candles, not candles, various lights and, like, chandeliers than you will shooting you know bullets into enemies at least that that was how it was for how i played it i think this game it's funny if it's draws from a lot of different stealth games but for all of its linear structure i think it draws from thief the most the most yeah i because agree while i was playing this game i kept thinking wait a second that's just a thing in thief just with a high-tech skin like the um the distraction uh cameras that you were talking about i'm like there are distraction arrows in Thief. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you put out torches in Thief with water arrows, and this you shoot out lights. And uh, even something like um, the optic cable that you can use to peek under doorways, I, I'm pretty sure in Thief 2 you can peek through the keyholes. You know, key and I'm like, it's just the same thing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's wrapped in a different skin, but it's a. Uh, it uses a lot of these mechanics and it wraps them up in a linear rather than an open setting. But uh, yeah, I I kind of thought that was quite funny how um how much it took from it. Yeah, and like the different types of floors that make different sounds and the you know the, yeah, the varying it, yeah. degree of the shadows. Yeah, and yeah. you know to to be honest, those are all great mechanics and that like it's a good decision to steal those honestly. Like, uh, and I think they implemented them well into this game. They didn't take these mechanics and do a poor job of them you know they they integrated them really well into splinter cell so i think they did a good job 
Mm-hmm. Um, so just to just to stick back on the controls, I just want to talk about some of the like I feel like for a 2003 game, Sam Fisher can do a lot of stuff control wise that made me surprised. Like, uh, so there are these like these long power lines or like you know ropes that go across uh streets or that kind of thing and you can you know you can grab them with your hands and you can you know swing across them but you can also like press c to get your legs up on them and kind of like compact your body on the rope and all that kind of stuff that you know i i wasn't really expecting from a game this old you know you have a lot of options and there's like a lot of attention to detail stuff not just with like shooting out the lights but like um something in particular that just like blew my mind when it first got introduced to the game was um so there's these thermal goggles that you get really early on right um and they're not super useful like compared to the night vision goggles but later on in the game there's this section where you have to get through a bunch of these doors locked by keypads but you don't have the keypad codes for this level whereas like in previous levels you would just knock out a guard and steal his usb stick uh it was really stupid and the game even like made a joke about how easy it was to get these door codes but anyway um you don't have the door codes this time and the way you get through these doors is that you wait for a guard to put in their number and then you put on the the thermal the thermal goggles and you can see the heat signatures from their fingerprints which are slowly dissipating the the most recent he signature the biggest one is the last key he pressed and it gets smaller in the order that he pressed them it was really cool and there's like lots of little stuff like this throughout the game that i thought was you know really fun really immersive and just why don't more games have this kind of weird stuff in them so i was far less impressed by this than you seem to be these are just all scripted actions um and it's the same with the climbing like there is basically zero freeform climbing in this game. It's we want you to climb this specific sequence of things in this specific way. So you climb you? up this ladder, then you you know go on this rope and walk along it, and then you do this. And it's just all specific scripted climbing sequences. And while I think that they're well animated, I guess, they are still very slow and clunky and deliberate. It doesn't feel like you're climbing or exploring or making your way through the level it's just there were the a bunch of like hidden like platforming challenges i don't know how many of those you found where there were some more open kind of platforming areas that you need to jump on bars and do all sorts of weird stuff to get up to the top to get like kind of like a health pack or some grenades or some cool gadget ammo i don't know uh, yeah but did you really enjoy doing those i know what you're yeah, talking I actually about did. there well there there are one or two things but it, it's not an enjoyable platform experience because sam fisher is it's a it's a clunky very clunky experience the way the mantling works is awkward um falling off a ledge and grabbing it is awkward the worst thing is when you try to like a transfer from like a ladder or a pipe to a ledge that's near you you kind of have to fall awkwardly and i think be aiming the mouse at the right angle and holding w and then you'll grab on but there were many times where i tried to do that i'd fall and i'd fall to my death so i was quick saving at the top of every pipe what i will say is that the platforming is kind of like it's decently well animated but it is very slow 
you're very slowly transitioning and climbing from object to object. You don't feel powerful or good when you're climbing. Maybe it's like the the inner WoW player in me. That game is full of really janky, shitty platforming that I kind of like that kind of thing. I don't know why. Um, I agree with you that, you know, probably it's objectively shitty, but... There's just something so satisfying of um, doing these platforming challenges that you're not sure if they're even supposed to be a platforming challenge. You're just trying to, you know, abuse the jumping mechanics. And I kind of found that really, really engaging. Like, don't get me wrong. I actually love janky, shitty platforming. Like Superland, which is a game that came out last year. I love that game to pieces. And a large, I guess, pinnacle of that game is its janky platforming and trying to abuse it in various ways but the freedom of movement you have in that game is insane like you're just sailing around it's in first person you've got double jumps and triple jumps and i would even argue in in mmos you've got perfect control of your character as you're sliding up mountains and all that this is not like that it's a lot more clunky and deliberate and that's not fun for me to play with or abuse as you have okay sure so did you enjoy that final platforming sections on the last level as you slowly had to work your way around the um the edge of the presidential palace? Yeah, that was fine. Uh my my I favorite part it. of my favorite janky platforming bit was in the car park area where there's those like those eye beams you have to like jump all the way to the top. I don't know if you remember that. Not specifically, no. No, there's basically all of these like just these rails and there's like they they they, they just go upwards vertically up this tower and if you you know, if you badly, jankily jump up all of them, you get a bunch of health packs and stuff like that. It was really funny for me to find because I don't think it's supposed to be obvious that it's there. I don't think I found that one. Right, sure. You're not a, as big as a fan of the platforming as I was, and probably most people won't be either, to be fair. So I just want to go back to that keypad thing I was talking about. So mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier that with the linear, the linear level progression, it does a good job of keeping things fresh. And I think it does that, you know, mostly well by introducing little elements um slowly throughout the game like as i said like later in the game you get the access you like you realize you need the thermal goggles to get through the keypads and then you know kind of through the middle of the game they introduce these mines that you need to sneak past really you know slowly in order to not activate and then you can pick them up and set traps for enemies if you want or you can run past them and have them explode behind you i found <laughs> explode behind you yeah. <laughs> you just sprint through at full speed it's such a great strategy it's such a great <laughs> strategy yeah um so the game does introduce stuff like that bit by bit and i think that it should have maybe introduced a few more but uh, like i was overall happy with the fact that each level felt pretty distinct from one another i i think that the number of gimmicks in each level and some levels had multiple gimmicks is actually completely fine i i think that that that's perfect like in that abattoir section you've got that bit where you're going through the fridges and you use the yes. thermal goggles for vision you've got um the semi trailing mission that you do on the oil rig you've got tw- uh, tweaks like the cia mission where you're not allowed to kill anyone at all so you have to be super careful with how you approach it i think that this issue of slight repetitiveness is just a fundamental 
kind of like a part of this limited level design that they've got on display here. If you're only ever going from A to B, it doesn't matter how many gimmicks you put in to break up the gameplay, you're still just sneaking past guards in the shadows. Um, and with no exploration, there's only so much you can do. I don't think the game ever gets boring. Like at no point was I, was I like, I don't want to play no, no, this game too. anymore. I've done too much sneaking. It's just that... Um, the gameplay stops evolving past a certain point you know you're you're still just sneaking through the shadows in the final mission and there it, it does get more difficult but you're not you're just finding you're still finding that window in the patrol route whereas i would say particularly like the later levels in deus ex uh, mankind divided the second one has some very challenging and interesting sequencing things you can do in terms of sneaking through. And similarly, I think that Thief really pushes it with the different surfaces and number of guards on specific missions that really elevate it and com complicate the gameplay. Splinter Cell never really reached that point for me. It was still the same simple, refined, crafted sneaker uh from start to finish pretty much yeah i think simple but refined is the way i'd probably describe most of this game like uh, mm -hmm. the game is very simple and it doesn't change it up. it changes itself up enough to be engaging but really it gets on by having just really well-defined stealth mechanics that yes you know honestly I, I just think are really good like i usually don't go for these kinds of stealth games but i found myself engaged start to finish with this game because the you know the fundamental stealth mechanics of this game are really strong and they're strong throughout the entire experience yeah um it just just another point of comparison. One of the games we compared it to was Metal Gear Solid 3, how you're kind of going through these discrete areas. I think even Metal Gear Solid 3 has greater variety in how you approach these challenges, largely because of stuff like uh, going prone and the grass patches and the uniform system and everything. It gives you a lot of options to you know, to either sit patiently or distract guards yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and, like, also just the insane attention to detail in that game, right? Yeah. You can play through Metal Gear Solid 3, like, a hundred times and not have seen every stupid little gimmick that the developers put in the game. There's, like, hundreds of weird little things, and, like, I'm surprised that even to this day, when I'm reading about that game, I find, you know, something new I didn't know about it. That's not the case here. This is all to say that, I, I just want to make it crystal clear the nature of this game so you don't go into it with the wrong kind of impression. Its fundamental mechanics are really strong and solid and enjoyable, but it's not going to blow your mind in this regard, and it's not giving you heaps of choice. It's just about it does one thing very well for the most part, and it's enjoyable to do that one thing. Yeah, and I completely agree. Splinter Cell's core game mechanics are really good and it really carries the experience from start to finish along with some really brilliant level design. So I think it's about time that we go to another music break, Patrick. So it is your turn to uh, provide us with some lovely serenade before we uh, you know, wrap hmm. up a bit about the gameplay. So um, the soundtrack I went for is CIA Lobby, which aesthetically as well, spoilers, is... Um, is my favorite level uh this one it uses a lot of these i don't know what the instrument is or even what it's trying to be but it's like this echoey 
sort of like deep noise. It reminds me of those, um, <laughs> you know, where you get the uh, the thong or the the flip flop, as our American audience would be, and you hit the organs, and it makes that echoey sort of noise. I don't know if you have any idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Sure, it, it, they used to have it at the science fair. It's it's like a muffled echoey noise, which kind of forms the basing of the track. It's kind of ominous. It's kind of tense, and um, I just I just like this soundtrack. It stood out to me. So this is CIA lobby. That was CIA Lobby, and um, despite Patrick's uh, poor description, I <laughs> understand what he means now. <laughs> so we just um, spoke a lot about the gameplay and kind of, you know, agreed that for the most part the core gameplay is pretty good. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we moved on to aesthetics? Yes, so I didn't really talk about this in story because I was banging on about it for ages, but just a couple of little details about the small amount of environmental storytelling that's in this game. So you'll get the you'll find these data sticks on soldiers and um when you hack computers it'll give you oh little snippets of story. It's absurd, right? Like um every single every single goon and their mother has a security like keypad hidden in an email that they've saved to a USB stick. It's like, it's absurd, right? Well, I mean, I don't really have a problem with this. Like, I, environmental storytelling is a thing that you need to get across somehow. I mean, they could have written journals or diaries, I guess. But in a in a game of this technology era, emails and like things on a PDA is probably the best way to get it across. How would you prefer they do it? I mean, the game even makes jokes about how silly it is later on, but, like, some of them are, like, this guy, like, one of the villains is just ranting about how stupid people are for putting these, in, like, non-encrypted emails on USB yeah. sticks rather than leaving it on their computers and it's it's silly it's it's really it, silly um, it is funny how every key code you get tells them to immediately delete this email upon receipt and, and literally yeah. no one has done it <laughs> but i don't know james for me this is a just a completely acceptable gameplay device it's one that i actually love to pieces because this is 
I, I think that it's a very light touch here, unlike, you know, even something like System Shock that we did earlier for the show. Yeah. But it's one I appreciated. I, I like having the guards get emails amongst one of them. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think it's perfectly fine, but it is like a little silly when you, uh, you know, yeah. you step back and you read it. They're like the actual yeah. email conversations are fine. I think they did a. You know, these were probably the best bits of story delivering in the in the game, as opposed to like the cutscenes and the, you yes. know, the 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 microphone, the radio conversations, which were a bit dry. Um, I wish the uh, I wish the characters had as much personality in those conversations as they did in the um in the emails, because then it would have you know done a lot more for me. The um the other bit which I quite enjoyed was um the Max Payne esque sort of like skits that you encountered uh, that the enemies were doing as you went around the world. Like the best one was when it's in one of the early missions, someone has come to the police station to file a complaint and he goes up to the desk. He says, yeah, I want to file a complaint. And the police officer says, no, you've gone to the wrong desk. Yeah. <laughs> it's over there next to him. So the guy goes to the next desk and then the police officer walks around to the other desk. <laughs> and then, you know, you've got stuff like the Chinese are talking about the Americans and they think that they can defeat the Americans easily, but that they'll never overcome McDonald's and yeah. McDonald's is an unbeatable juggernaut. And, <laughs> I, once again, these are silly, but I quite enjoyed them, like I enjoy them in Max Payne. They're just they're just these funny little conversations and moments that you stumble upon that um, you know, that are good jokes basically. So that it's not a big part of the experience, but I think they added to it. Yeah, I agree. I I actually did quite like that a lot. Um, but it kind of it kind of get lost in the. You know, the overall mediocrity of the rest of the story for me, though. I agree, yeah. But it was a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, So, I guess, last little bit to touch on for me was talking about the lockpicking minigame, which I generally find in most games to be fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> System shot flashbacks. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. That game can... Ugh. But anyway, the, the lockpicking in this game is very inoffensive. You basically, you walk up to the door... Um, and you like you press WASD until you notice that the animation goes, and then you mash that button until it stops moving, and then you figure out which the next button to mash is. And yeah, you basically mash WASD in a certain order that you have to guess until um, the door opens. It's more of a more of a time waster to add tension. Like when you're actually picking these locks and there's guards patrolling behind you, it gets really tense. You're like, holy shit, which one is it? And trying to mash the rest button. I basically think it's the perfect lock mini game. It doesn't it doesn't require any like skill or knowledge. It's just you know a bit of tension but basically i would like this is about as simple as it get but if it could literally be a progress bar that fills up on your screen that would be even better than me like you press the lockpick button and then it takes four four seconds for this lock complexity to unlock you don't need lock picking mini games get rid of them developers pay pay heed no more no more hacking mini games no more lock picking mini no, no, games. no hacking mini nothing. games are okay lock picking no. mini games different <laughs> they add nothing to the experience. They should all be gotten rid of. This time-wasting thing that means that you can't do it while there are guards patrolling near you is perfect. That is the function they should fulfill. The simpler, the better. Um, you're telling me you don't want some crazy minigame that takes you hours to master, and even then you don't understand what's going on? De Deus Ex's hacking minigame was like the biggest waste of time. I hated it so much. <laughs> Everyone's gushing about it. It's like, no, just... 
just get rid of it. The original Deus Ex had it right, where it literally is a progress puzzle. I liked Bioshock's pipe puzzles, which I don't really know. Fucking degenerate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know many people that agree with me, but I thought it was fine. Fuck them getting rid of yeah, that. The first Bioshock time's fine. Yeah. <laughs> then you want to play Bioshock, but instead you're playing a fucking pipe puzzle. <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes I boot up Bioshock to play the pipe puzzles. Yeah. Anyway, minigames suck. The emphasis on a simple one is better here. Yeah. So let's move on to aesthetics. Patrick, how do you think this game held up? So it's actually funny. One of the returning ideas in this show is that more cartoony, stylized, um, cell-shaded 2D art looks better and, in fact, looks good, whereas a lot of the more modern, you know, transition to 3D art, things like Max Payne and even the first Call of Duty have awful character models and an ugly as sin. I think this is the first game of this era like modern realistic 3d graphics where it looks acceptable yeah i was I, I didn't think it was a masterpiece with a couple of levels which i thought looked very good but it wasn't offensive and i think that the animations were nice and smooth and i think the models for the most part were fine except the you know the faces were still a bit whatever but the there was enough detail on the models and textures that it didn't stand out too badly i think this game looked pretty good i was pretty impressed and honestly when you're like crawling around in the shadows it's really hard to notice any imperfections in the texture work and you know aliasing issues because you just can't fucking see it right um i think uh you know the nature of this as a stealth game actually kind of hides a lot of the imperfections but overall i agree with you i was actually surprised at how well this has held up it's not brilliant Mm -hmm. or anything you know lots of the levels seem a bit more sparse than they would in a modern title like uh sometimes you know you thought a room looked a bit barren like it needed a bit more clutter but everything looks clean it doesn't get in the way and you know i actually think that when you're sneaking around in the shadows sam's goggles look really cool in the darkness even though it makes no sense that enemies can't see them too yeah, I think that the emphasis on lighting is a huge part of this uh, because Splinter Cell is a game about shadows and light. The dynamic lighting is is beautiful and I think it can really do a lot to bring a world to life. Like the problem with Thief is that the lighting still produced these kind of jagged edged shadows yeah. because that was the technology they were looking for. The Splinter Cell looks far better. The the softer shadows and how all the different types of light sources like bounced off one another is it does look good. Like when you've got a big chandelier, you've got ceiling lights, and then you've got little lights above the doorways, and all those light sources are competing against one another. It it produces a pretty cozy image. And uh, I want to take this moment to highlight what I think was the best looking part of the game. And that was at the beginning of the CIA level, when you're out in the rain outside the CIA, CIA building. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I actually thought that um, my favorite looking part of the game was probably in the second part of that CIA mission when you're up on that second floor and you can see the rain on the outside of the windows. But in general, I agree. I think that level and as well the abattoir had a really good atmosphere going on for them yeah i i don't know how to it was raining quite heavily hasn't rained for quite a while where i'm at 
while I was playing that level and it felt really cozy, which yeah. which is silly <laughs> to say, but playing that level in the rain as he's, you know, sneaking through in the light sources and everything, it just it felt it felt comfortable. And I think that's just all the aesthetics, which is very impressive from a game that, you know, uses this sort of style of realistic graphics. Um yeah, mm-hmm. so overall I'm pretty high on these graphics. I I don't think they're I don't think they're incredible, but they do a pretty good job, and uh, that is a remarkable thing for a game aspiring for realism in two thousand two. Yeah, I think this is the probably the first game that we've reviewed that uh, you know is going for a realistic look that actually still manages to pull it off to a decent degree. Like, uh, yeah. you know, obviously it's not going to blow your mind. This is a game from two thousand and three, but it does look good for its age. I got to give it that. I mean, it's crazy to think this game is con- pretty much contemporary with Hitman and Max Payne, and yeah. it looks like it. Like it, that's how that's what's so crazy about it. How yeah. significant the difference is. It's nuts. I. Th- think at the time of release this must have been one of the prettiest games but yeah still looks good so um, i'm glad we're agreed on that i was getting ready (laughs) i was ready for you to hit back against uh against these graphics (laughs) no 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 the the worst part of the graphics are definitely the character models and as you said the textures on the faces um you know when you have to use a gun and you're zoomed in on an enemy it does show its age a lot but you know all the texture work and the the detailing of the environment the cutscenes are quite bad like the president at his press conference and the news reporter they just look awful <laughs> well i mean i wasn't actually looking at the cutscenes because i was trying to avoid getting you know a seizure um, <laughs> yeah, from all the enough. flashing they were doing but um yeah no I, I agree with you when i did re-watch the cutscenes on youtube they uh they didn't look that that red hot but you know there's this almost this level of stylization you know when you're in the pitch black i'm really really glad that this game was allowed to have really deep shadows yeah i think the thing that stands out to me um is when dark souls 2 came out and it was supposed to have all these like light mechanics and real dark areas that you had to light up with a torch and obviously it felt like the publisher pulled the plug and was like people aren't gonna like that it's too dark but this game goes full on the darkness and i really appreciate that i think it makes everything look very striking in certain conditions Dark Souls 2 is just a constant <laughs> string of disappointment that never ends in so many ways. I, yeah, I kind of like guess, this show. I know this has nothing to do with the show, but you brought this up, so I get a chance to say this. Dark Souls 2 apologists disgust me. Dark Souls 2 has one good thing about it, and that's that it has a balanced multiplayer scene where different play styles are balanced. Everything else is a fucking regression from Dark Souls and even fucking Demon Souls. I'm mad at that game. Stop apologizing for that garbage. It's terrible. All right. Oh, the DLC is pretty good as well. All right. End of rant. We can return. End of rant. Yeah. <laughs> Splinter Cell looks pretty good um, for its age. We'll give it that. Uh, actually, there was one thing I did want to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when your character talks to other characters, like in a lot of other modern games, that would usually like trigger a cutscene, whereas here they just like stand very stiffly staring at each other talking. It was very <laughs> odd, especially when these conversations go for like a couple minutes and there's still enemies patrolling in the background. Like this one time I was talking to a dude and this patrol came out of nowhere and you know, I was locked in place and I just got shot and then the game over while I was 
trapped in a conversation. <laughs> it was really, really bad. Uh, yeah, I had the same thing happen to me as well at one point. But I think in mine, they they didn't shoot me until the conversation was after over. Oh, the how so polite not, of them. That's I, know, so I must kind. have caught them in a weird script thing. I was like, uh-oh, better finish this conversation and then instant death. Yeah, so that that's definitely, that that's a bad, but, you know, barely. It happened to me like once in the entire game, yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, that's basically all I have to say about Splinter Cell. Did you want to move on to your final thoughts? Yes, let's move on to final thoughts. I mean, I've said a lot of them already, but allow me to sum up here. Splinter Cell is a very good game. I do recommend it. I understand the nature of this as a stealth game. I've played most stealth games now. It's pretty good in that it's a very linear, simple, well-crafted experience. There's not exploration, there's not an enormous amount of room for innovation, but if you enjoy the fundamentals of stealth games, this is probably the closest to Thief that you can get in terms of the basic stealth mechanics. In terms of exploration, it's got none of it. So it depends what you love about Thief, but I certainly did enjoy sneaking through shadows and particularly ghosting through enemies patrols was very enjoyable it's pretty tough so also be ready to quick save regularly at the beginning of each area i don't think it's right to try and play through this game on your first playthrough just relying on checkpoints it's just a little too frustrating and punishing so play the pc version make use of the quick saving um, yeah, very good game. Do recommend. I was um, it, this game exceeded my expectations. It's uh, it's now a franchise I want to play more of. I'm keen to play Pandora tomorrow and Chaos Theory and pretty much every game in the franchise because of how strong this was. So, yeah, highly recommend Splinter Cell. I agree wholeheartedly. This game blew my expectations out of the water. Um, You know, uh, when we played Thief, I enjoyed that game, but I enjoyed this game a lot more. And I think, like I said before, a lot of that has to do with my preference in the level design. This is a very, very, very linear game. Um, and you know that put the that put the focus on the moment to moment to gameplay like there wasn't a lot of you know bullshit messing around with going to find little clues all over the level there was just pure stealth gameplay goodness and I loved that honestly from a purely mechanical point of view this is probably my favorite stealth game going forward and I'm really excited to see where the series goes from here um, I was impressed at how tight everything outside of the shooting was um, and how well the level just manage to mix things up constantly you know not too much that it becomes distracting but just enough um, that it walks this very fine tightrope I don't think I could play this game again very soon it's not I don't think playing through it a second time would give me anything that you know I didn't get the first time around but what I did get to play was a great experience with really solid stealth mechanics great level design and uh yeah I highly recommend this game and the only you know the only reason I see not to give it a recommendation is the fact that the PC version is questionable at times and that you know if you're if you're not a fan of the linear you know rigidity of the structure then you know maybe maybe give it a pass but otherwise glowing recommendation from me yeah so i would put thief above this i'd probably even put Metal Gear solid 3 above this but i think that this game is probably about equal to dishonored um and i think it's bad i enjoyed it more than i did the new deus ex game so yeah, I, I rate it very highly. This is this is a very fun game to play. 
Patrick actually uh, managed to pick a good one this time. <laughs> yeah, it this was uh, much, Hitman. much, much better than Hitman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that about wraps it up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today and listening to us ranting and discussing and arguing about Splinter Cell. We are the Retrospectives Podcast. You can find all of our content at rspodcast.net. We've got all of our episodes and a bunch of articles about the games we've played both back in time and of the present day. Uh, We're available everywhere you listen to podcasts, but you can find everything centralized there. So I recommend going there to find our stuff. Uh, Most importantly, we have a Discord server. We don't have a Patreon or any of that garbage, but we do have a Discord server because if there's one thing we love doing more than anything else, it is arguing about video games. So if you have any opinion on any video game, whether it's one we've covered in the episode or even just a modern one or an old one that we haven't played yet, we would love to hear it, particularly if I get to take the opposing side and tell you why your opinion <laughs> is wrong. Yeah, and we also get a lot of recommendations on our Discord. Uh, many of the games we've played on this show come direct recommendations from our Discord users. So if you've got a game that you want us to play, come on down and drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, it's uh, text only, so no mics, none of that. Just, uh, you know, good old text chat discussion. So, you know, if you, even if you want to come down and just, you know, lurk the forum a bit that's great too so um that's the episode so now it's time for us to discuss what we're doing for the next fortnight so james now that we've done yet another stealth game what game are we doing for the next fortnight what have you chosen why are you asking me patrick you're the one who started playing it already (laughs) i know but it's a uh, convention of the show that i ask allow me to announce it then james has chosen dark messiah of might and magic which seems to be a cross between, I don't know, Skyrim and the Source Engine. I'm, I'm still in the very <laughs> early stages, so I'm a little vague on the details, but it's basically a physics engine simulator plus Skyrim combat. Plus Medieval some other combat, shit. yeah, and yeah. some magic, yeah. I've had this game recommended to me nonstop by a number of people, and I've always... I don't know, found something I was more interested in at the time, but now seems about the right the time to do it. I've uh, read a lot of reviews and heard many good things about all the secrets that you can find in this game and all the janky physics action that you can get up to. So uh, I'm very excited to see it. We uh, we were quite high on Heroes of Might and Magic 3, so, um, you know, kind of basically <laughs> interested. Game. Yeah, basically <laughs> the same game. So yeah, I'm very interested to see what this is. Uh, yeah, yeah com- it it does look like a grand strategy to me. Have you seen some of that combat? Um, uh. The the most important thing is that there's a there's a stealth skill tree, so I know what I'll be doing. Yeah, I hear it's quite bad, so I look forward to hating the game in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks with uh, Dark Messiah. Hope you look forward to it. And um, until then, thanks for listening. 